You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to be here this morning, and what a great day yesterday. The sun was shining, and how many of you got out to enjoy some of that weather? Yeah, we had, uh, we had our first Discovery Christianity class, and, and uh, uh, Brittany walked like 7.3 miles. She told us about that, and so she was sore today, but at least she got to enjoy the weather, right? And uh, it's great to have springtime because it kind of changes your outlook, your attitude many times. And, um, and the only problem is sometimes people enjoy it too much and, and they don't always show up for church. That's a problem. But anyway, uh, we're glad you're here, okay? Uh, and I wanted to share a couple of April thoughts with you before I go on. And maybe some of you are aware of this, maybe some are not aware of this, but did you know that April is National Humor Month? Uh, yeah. So that means we need to be prepared to laugh more. Um, see, laughter and longevity go hand in hand. Uh, grumps don't live any longer. It just seems like they do. And uh, so, uh, in fact, we need to embrace the notion that humor is not incompatible with dignity in stature. In fact, humor is that hole in the hot air balloon that lets out the stuffiness that's in a stuffed shirt. That makes sense, okay? Uh, and hopefully we don't have any stuffy shirts here today, okay? Uh, so. This morning we're engaging, we're continuing to go on this course of, I have decided. And we know that in the average day you make about 35,000 decisions. That seems like a lot, but the mind process and everything you do, there's a lot going on in the decision-making process. And so we know that some decisions have greater consequences than others. Some decisions are more important than others. Now, whether you go to McDonald's or Hardee's, that's not as important unless uh, you have some health issues or you just like junk food. But uh, nevertheless, you made a decision to be here today, and, and I'm grateful for that. Why don't we just take a moment and join our faith together for a word of prayer as we uh, uh, continue to look to God. Father, we're honored today to be together in this gathering. We thank you for an opportunity to receive from your word. I thank you for each one that has come. And Father, I pray that you engage them with your presence, with the ministry of your spirit, with the ministry of your word, to bring them to a place of, of greater understanding of your plan. And Father, I trust that today, even today, decisions can be made that will be beneficial, Father, for the people here as well as for the purposes of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And everyone in agreement says, Amen. Now, are you seeking what's true and better? Last week, we discovered that Jesus brought the true and the better. And what a wonderful celebration we had as we celebrated Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Amen? And we are excited about what implications that has for all of us. 
Because new life in Christ is not just something he experienced when he rose from the dead, but new life in Christ is something that we can all experience and encounter in our own personal lives. Uh, We shared with you John 10.10 where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We realize that God brought something true and better for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And it's something that you need to understand, you need to know, and begin to experience in your own life. We know that we're confident, according to Hebrews 6, 9, we're confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. See, it's not just about getting saved. And you might say, well, what is this thing about getting saved? Salvation, really, it boils down to having a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, receiving his forgiveness, receiving his love that has a transforming work and effect upon the human heart. And so, it's, but when we get saved, you know, salvation, sometimes people can think, well, it just gets me uh, a ticket out of hell. It just gets me in a place where I can go to heaven. But salvation has so much more in mind for you, what, what comes with it. And that's what we need to discover. Because it's not just going to church so you can ease your conscience, so you can make your peace with God and go live your life any way you want to. But it's really discovering that God has a greater plan for you. And he has more for you than what you realize. Christianity sometimes has been viewed by the world as as something so rigid, something uh, uh, that is actually something they they turn from because they don't want that because it's going to rob them of of things that maybe they want to keep in their life. But the things they want to keep in their life are often destructive things that are going to be hurtful and harmful. But when they truly in discover what Jesus has for them, there's so much more. Uh, Things like peace, just that peace, joy, to have love, to be able to walk with a forgiving heart so that you don't have to live with the curse of bitterness and resentment and the anguish that comes from those things. We can live a life that's that's so free in Christ to experience his fullness. And and I, I know personally in my own life I want more of Jesus it's like you know uh, you, you think you get to a point this is good but that's not it that's not all there is I want everything God has for me and as a pastor I want everything that God has for you as a congregation as individuals as people my heart breaks when I hear of some of the struggles and issues and challenges that people go through and I know that God has something more for them and very often it's decisions we've made that has brought us to the place that we are. And, and hopefully when we begin to make more and more right decisions, we can be at a different place. A place where we can uh, be on the side of, of helping and blessing and encouraging and building others up rather than be the one that needs to be built up. And, but it doesn't matter what place you're at, God will meet you where you're at. Amen? And that's important to understand that. So uh, tell yourself this, I was meant for better things. Amen. You need to tell yourself that. Um, Right decisions result in blessing and fulfillment. Wrong decisions result in heartache and loss. And and the fact is you have to live with the consequences of, of your decisions. You have to live with them. 
Now, can we recover from wrong decisions? The answer is yes, we can. And, and how do we recover? Well, we start by making right decisions. In, in this day, we need to see that this is a new day. This is a fresh start. The past is behind you. You can't really do anything to change that. But yet you can do something to affect your present and your future by decisions that you make today. Uh, the message entitled today is, Here We Go. Okay, when we find something new and better in Christ, that's a, that gives us a great start. I can remember when I first made Jesus the Lord of my life as a 17-year-old uh, young man, uh, just a, a junior in high school, and, and just I was messed up in a lot of ways, like most 17-year-olds old are. You know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, um, maybe some of you would, would think I was messed up. But, um, I can remember just having this sense of a revelation and an understanding that God loved me and that I was now in a relationship with him that was real, that wasn't uh, this super, you know, just this fake kind of thing. It was, it was supernatural. It was real. It was something that I was experiencing. I experienced an encounter with Jesus Jesus was real, and I knew it. Jesus was alive, and I knew it. And so my, my whole life began to change so drastically and so radically. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I stayed hooked up with Jesus because he's taken me on a journey. And the journey has, has been a great journey. There's been times of struggle, challenge, and hardship, but yet God's been faithful on this journey. Uh, so here we go. Because we are on this journey called life in a world that's filled with heartache and despair. You know, it, it can be depressing just to turn on the news and, and to hear what's happening, to see the moral decline of the nation, to see all the things happening all around the world, the hatred, the crime, the, the war. I mean, the natural disasters, the things that are disrupting human lives and, and breaking up homes, and, and, and there's just a, a storm of life that's uh, enraging right now. But so Hebrews 12, and we want to look at this passage, uh, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, and we're going to read this from the New Living Translation. It starts out by saying, therefore, and I need to pause. Anytime you see a passage that says, therefore, you need to back up and find out what it's there for. Because it's beginning, it's giving a reference point of what was just said in relation to what is being said. And, and I can tell you what therefore is therefore in this passage. Hebrews chapter 11 lays out a discourse of what we call the hall of faith. Men and women throughout the history of the nation of Israel who believe God who trusted God, who saw the impossible, who saw miracles and, and breakthroughs in their life, people that God used in a very powerful, profound way. But it, it displays and talks about the faith that they exhibited in putting their trust in God. So with that said, Hebrews 12, and, and, and you need to understand that uh, the Scripture is anointed, but the references are not necessarily anointed, so maybe breaking up the the, the scripture at this point might not have been the best, but 
it is what it is, okay? So it starts out, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and that was all described in the previous chapter, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, I want to pause right there because, you know, the implication here is like a runner that's running. And often when a runner is in training, they'll put these weights on their ankles. How many of you know about that? And, and they'll run with those weights. And, oh, they'll run with those weights. And it's hard. And, but then when it comes time for the race... When they're in the race, they take the weights off. And it seems like, whoa, man, look at this. And, and, and what the scripture here is saying, the weights that slow us down in this journey of life are the sins that set us back, the sins that hold us back. And, and really, in the context of this scripture, the sin that's really identified here is the sin of discouragement. That's the, that's the weight that God wants us to put off, to unstrap from ourselves so that we can run this race. Because I don't know about you, but there's times I've faced discouragement. And discouragement is not a pretty thing. It's not something I welcome in my life. It's something I think, oh, why this? And yet... That discouragement is trying to keep us from the goal. It's trying to keep us from the calling. It's trying to prevent us from finishing a course because discouragement will try to get you to stop and give up. But we can't do that. Because, see, we have a greater one in us, and, and as we see this scripture play out, we're going to see some other things here too. It says... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And that really, in the context of this, is discouragement because when you're going through things, it'll trip you up. But you can also relate this to other sins that trip you up, sins that set you back, sins that hold you back, sins that cause you to feel worthless, sins that feel, make you feel that you're a failure, that what's the use, why even try anymore? So all that we need to realize, okay? But it goes on to say, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. In other words, stay in the race. Stay in the race. You know, it's just stay in the race. It's so easy. Oh, I'm done. I'm going to get out of this race. I'm finished. No, stay in the race. Because when you're in the race, that, that word endurance is also the word of patience. It means to... Uh, uh, to to stick with it. Because see, when, when I'm in the grocery store or the, at Walmart, um, I'm not very patient waiting in line. And I'll be waiting in one line, and I'll look and say, that line's moving faster. <laughs> Push my stuff over there. And I'm waiting in the other line. And all of a sudden, this one just comes to a dead halt, and that one starts moving. And I see the person that was behind me now is being checked out, and I'm still in line. Oh. See, sometimes we get out of line, and then, you know, we're going to miss out. And, and, and endurance is you have to stick with it. Don't give up. Don't be tempted to give up. And now, how do we do this? Verse 2 helps us to know how do we stay in this race of life, in this journey of life. 
The, the key we see is in verse two, 2. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now look at this. The champion. Now he's, he's already a champion. He's already won the race. So we keep our eyes on him, the champion. And it, notice it says, who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, now, I have to pause here because when we see this word initiate, that means he started something in you. He began something in you. He initiated something in your life. And what he initiated, he's determined to complete. Jesus loves to finish what he starts. And he started a work in you, and he's not going to stop that work. He's not going to bail out. He's going to continue. It goes on to say, uh, because... He initiates and perfects our faith, so he's, he's going to bring it to completion. He's going to perfect it. We, we need perfection, right? I need perfection. And he's going to perfect something in our lives. And he's capable of doing that. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. See, Jesus had to go through some junk but the joy awaiting him, guess what? You know what that joy is? That is seeing lost humanity saved. That's seeing you and me reconciled with him. Seeing you and me in right relationship with the Father. That's the joy. Seeing the earth redeemed from the curse. Seeing lost men, women, and children now saved and part of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And, and we know that, that uh, now he's seated in the place because his work is done, but we keep our eyes on him. And in Hebrews 12, 2, in the New King James Version, says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So what he initiates, he's going to finish. Now that should give you some encouragement because God's not finished with you yet. You might think you're done, it's over, but he doesn't think that way at all. He does not think that way at all, okay? Now, um, Jesus is described as the originator or creator or the reason behind it all. He's responsible for this whole thing, this whole planet, this whole earth, everything around us, right? Uh, now, he didn't plan for men to fail, he didn't plan for Adam and Eve to fall in the garden, but he had a plan for when they did, to restore, to heal. Because, see, he gave us this thing called free choice. And sometimes we think, God, was that really a good idea? But he didn't want a robot. He didn't want people to just do whatever we wanted to do because we were programmed to do it. He created us in his image and likeness with the capacity to choose to, be, to have a free will, to be free moral agents in this earth, to make decisions. That is the biggest part of being created in his image and likeness, the fact that we can choose and make choices in this earth. We can accept or reject his plan for our life. And he will honor your choice in the matter, okay? Now, an author is an originator or creator, 
An author is the one who composes or creates a thing. And, and, and the Greek word translated author in verse 2 is, also means captain, chief leader, or prince. So it has that implication as well. So he's, he's not only the author of your faith, but he's the prince. He's the captain. He's the one leading the charge for our life. Now, Jesus is the originator of faith in that he begins it, as well as the captain or the prince of our faith as the one who's directing it in the course of our life. So that's why we're instructed to keep our eyes on Jesus, because this is a journey. And all you have to do is ask Peter when he took his eyes off Jesus when he was walking in the water, because he did walk on the water, right? And it wasn't frozen over either. The lake wasn't frozen over. He was walking on the water, but he took his eyes off Jesus, he, and he looked at the waves, and they were pretty significant. He looked at the wind. I don't know how you can look at the wind. You can't really see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind, right? And as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Thank God he had enough sense to say, Lord, save me. And Jesus rescued him from, from that situation. But you need to understand that the true power of faith does not depend on our own abilities. Jesus is the author of your faith, the initiator of your faith. It doesn't depend on your own abilities. It's a gift according to Ephesians 2.8, which says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It says right there that this faith that we have as Christians It's not of ourselves, but it's a gift. Think about it. We didn't even have faith to get saved, to accept forgiveness, to accept the gift of eternal life, to come into right relationship with God. We didn't have faith for that. So he gave us that faith so we could be saved. Faith is a gift. And when we exercise that faith, we can receive eternal life. We can receive salvation and be brought into right relationship with him. Now, it's interesting because the Greek word translated in this verse, perfecter, in Hebrews 12, 2, appears only one time in the New Testament, and it literally means completer or finisher and speaks of bringing something to its conclusion. And that's what God wants to do in our life. He wants to finish what he began. So not only does he create our faith and establish and start us out, but he brings that to a completion. So you might say, wow, you know, some of this pressure can be off of us now, right? Yeah. Because we know that Jesus is the author. Now the key here is to look to him, to look unto him. Looking to Jesus, keeping your eyes on him. Keep your eyes fixed on him. See, uh, how did Jesus handle insults when he was insulted? How did he handle that? Did he become bitter and seek revenge? Well, if you have your eyes on Jesus and you're being insulted, then you'll do what he did, right? You won't seek your own revenge. In fact, if someone says something unkind about me, I need to live so that no one will believe what they said, right? And in other words, prove them wrong. Well, not to try to get even and, and you know, get, say something mean and bad about them. And so uh, I, I know that there's the, this thing called strife. 
And strife is one of those things that tries to enter in our lives. And it comes to uh, different things that are said maybe in the wrong spirit. And that can cause great disharmony, division, and disunity uh, within a family, within a marriage, within a congregation, among people groups. And because the scripture says where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. It opens the door to hell. And we need to close the door to that kind of strife. So if you're insulted, if you're being, you think, you know, you need to consider what Jesus did. Amen? And I'll give you, I, I, I wrote down in my notes this morning some guidelines for uh, living life. Just these are some practical things. Okay, you ready for this? Be the first to say hello to people. Don't wait for them to say hello to you. Okay? <laughs> now, I like to see this. Everybody's trying to be first to say hello. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, you beat me to it. Oh, no. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes they didn't say hello to me. They didn't even acknowledge me this morning. Or maybe they were so, had so much on their mind and they just kind of walked by you and they were in the, you know, consumed with their own you know, issues at that moment, fixed on something else. So be the first to say hello. Treat everyone like you want to be treated. Oh my, that, oh, that's the golden rule. Gosh, if we just live by that, how do you want to be treated? Well, not like you're treating me, you know. Uh, so that carries a lot of weight right there. How about um, never give up on anybody because miracles happen. Sometimes we can just write people off. Oh, forget it, write them off. That's it, I'm done with them. No, miracles can happen. How about never deprive someone of hope? It may be all they have. You know, I and that's part of our vision at Refuge. We want to inspire hope in people. Because uh, there's, there's, there's a plague in our culture called hopelessness. People, they need to find hope that would give them strength to go on in their life, to get past a divorce, to get past a crisis, to get past just the junk they're going through, whatever failure or situation it may be. Um, or be kind, be kinder than necessary. Sometimes we just do what meets the requirements. But go the extra mile. Jesus even said that. Uh, go beyond what's just required when you're showing kindness to somebody. Don't uh, don't just say, well, I'm trying to appease that person. No, just be kind. Jesus said, be kind one to another. What does that mean? Well, just be kind. Be nice. I try to be a nice person. Somebody pulls out in front of me, though. It's hard to be nice. But you know what I think now? I think, okay, maybe they just went, they're going through something bad, and you know, I need to pray for them, not get upset about that, you know? I just, thank God I got good breaks, and I have a good response time, and I don't run into them, okay? Anyway... Uh, keep your promises. Oh, my broken promises. Uh, there's just too many of them. These are guidelines for living life. Uh, learn to show cheerfulness even when you don't feel like it. You might say, well, then am, am I being a fake? No, sometimes we just got to press through. And in and, 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 and this joy thing, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord. And, and again, I say rejoice. That word rejoice means we need to rejoy. Just like you refresh you ever, on your computer, you refresh the screen and it brings everything up to where it needs to be? 
we need to rejoice. We need to bring that joy level back to where it needs to be because it's in you. The joy of God is in you because it's one of the fruits of the Spirit of God that you possess, I possess, but we don't always display. Okay? So we need to display more joy. And then remember that overnight success usually takes about 15 years. Okay? So, yeah. And then one more I have here, a guideline for living life. Never waste an opportunity to tell somebody you love them. Okay? No, don't waste those opportunities. I, I want to read this first. We're going to go back to Hebrews 12 too, and I want to read this from the Amplified. And I don't know if you have an Amplified Bible, but if not, I recommend getting one because and there's Bible apps that have them. They just say things in an Amplified way. That's why they call it the Amplified Bible, okay? So looking away, Hebrews 12, 2, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, and there's a lot of things that distract, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if Jesus is the author, the one who initiated a work in your life, then let him finish what he started to do. And so, really, what this is, in this journey with life, this is more of a cooperative effort. We need to learn to cooperate with Jesus. We need to cooperate with his spirit and, 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 and learn how to really follow his lead, okay, as we're looking to him. And so uh, we are in the process of becoming when we see Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so this goes to this place where we call mindset. What is your mindset? Every one of you have a mindset. And your mindset will take you one direction or another. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So we need to shift our mindset. And we need to make sure that it's set on the right thing. Just when, like when you're turning the dial on the radio, you're setting the dial and you're tuning into a radio. You need to make sure that you have the proper mindset that's set on the spirit because that's where you're going to begin to find your guidance and direction in life. Now, making decisions will always lead you somewhere. They will take your life in a certain direction. You have a choice, you have a free will, so you need to make a choice. And, and we see here, um, I, I missed a verse, and I, I got to go back to this because this journey with God is a discovery. It's a discovery and requires the renewing of your mind to change the way you think. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2, it says, like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. So to get the proper mindset, you need to spend time in the Bible, in the Word of God. You need to renew your thinking with the principles of the truth that you find on the page of the Bible. 
We can see there's different mindsets, and there's mindsets out there that conflict with God's word. And if you choose to go with those mindsets, you can have some great challenges when it comes to living out this life with Christ and, and walking this road with him and this journey with him. But there's, there's three things that this journey of life involves. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, it's discovering who he is, Jesus. Who is this guy? Who is this person? Secondly, it's discovering who we are, who we are in Christ, who we are in relationship to who Jesus is. And then thirdly, what we are to do. In this journey in life, this, these are the three focal points of our discovery. Who is he? Oh, we need to be consumed with that. And then who are we? See, you're not an old sinner saved by grace. If you're in the family of God, if you are a believer, you're not just an old sinner saved by grace, but you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You are a new creation, a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. And so that means you don't live how you used to live because you are a new creation, a new creature. And you're programmed with the DNA of heaven, with the DNA of Jesus, okay? Now, and then what are we to do? What is your purpose? What is God's plan for you? You know, is it his plan for all of you to go to Bible school and become a preacher like me? No. No, that's not his plan for everyone because there's not enough room for all of us to be on this platform, right? And, and you know, we need somebody to preach to too, right? No, all of you have a purpose and plan that God designed for you. And part of your journey in life is to discover that. What a shame it is to live your whole life and never discover God's plan for you and to serve another purpose and another plan that he didn't design for you. Now, so I want to share one more verse here, uh, and then we want to honor the Lord uh, with our generosity. But in in Joshua 24, verse 15, I need to give you just a little bit of backdrop of this verse. Uh, Joshua was in the process of bringing the people into the promised land. And after years of becoming established in the land, at the end of his life, he begins to speak and approach and address the people. And he speaks to them, and we see in verse 15, and from the New Living Translation, he says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Okay, so in other words, he was dealing with some people that were having issues. And he just told them straight out, okay, if you don't want to serve the Lord, then if that's your choice, then you need to go with it. Because again, as I said, making decisions will lead you somewhere. They will take your life in a certain direction. Now, notice, again, he says, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the God's? Your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, there was a point that Joshua made that determination, not just for himself, but for his family, that he was going to serve the Lord. 
he didn't care about serving other gods and he left the choice for others to make their own decision but that's a decision that you have to make are you going to serve the Lord and as we go on with this journey with God that decision if you haven't already made it you need to make it let's just uh, take a moment and we're going to pray and then we're going to honor the Lord with our, our giving but let's pray Father I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice in making decisions to consider this decision of serving you. We're not just here to go through the motions, but we're here, Father, for a distinct purpose. And Father, we thank you that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've made that decision. And Father, I pray that each person here will make that decision in their own life whether or not to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.